0: Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. By the way, don't you appreciate the tech, guys? Bless your hearts. Hey, that kind of stuff just happens sometimes, doesn't it? Paul, you are the man. Ephesians chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, we've got some people are going to be coming around, just flag them down. They'll be able to let you borrow a Bible this morning. We love getting into the Bible, and a number of you who are so used to uh, being here on a regular basis are going, <laughs> "Duck, you're up there huffle early. Uh, does that mean like you're going way long? Well, what's new? Um, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to dig into the Word here right now, and then we're going to move our time of singing uh, a little later afterwards. And then we're going to have communion together today. and uh, So we're spreading things around and spreading things out. And just going to enjoy the time together as we sing and as we dig into God's Word. Well, today is our last Sunday in our present series in Ephesians, Brought to Life, Taught to Live. We're going to be finishing this up. And next Sunday, Pastor Eric actually is going to get us started as we go through a Christmas series. We're like, you know what, this is our first Christmas. We've got to have some kind of Christmas series here. Otherwise, like we're like, we don't love Jesus or something. Okay, so we're uh, kind of putting Ephesians to the side. We're going to pick it back up in January. And in January, we're actually going to have a series called Bringing It Home, where we're going to be talking more about the whole thing of what uh, what um, life and home and God's truth applied to real life in our homes and marriages as parents, as just believers in Christ. And we're going to be doing that. But uh, Eric is going to be doing our series, God With Us Here. And uh, as we kind of walk to Bethlehem together, uh, he's going to be starting in Matthew chapter 1, doing the genealogy. Now, I want to tell you something. Here you are, a new assistant pastor at a church, and you get to preach the genealogy. I mean, like, your boss has got to be the biggest creep ever. Uh, Actually, uh, Eric wanted to do that, but I'll tell you, just as we've talked over together a little bit about it, I'm really excited about it because uh, he's got some cool things going on there. I'm serious. Just some cool thoughts of realities of people that are in that genealogy of Christ that give us a lot of hope. Well, our text is in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. But before we get into it, I want to have you mark a few things in your Bible. If you're a Bible marker, God bless you. Uh, I love marking my Bible. I know some people look at it and go, but I don't want to mark it up. It's God's word. Um, Okay, that's fine. But uh, godly people mark their Bibles. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, so here's. (laughs) So now everybody's grabbing pens because their neighbor might think they're not. Okay, here's the deal. Go to verse 2 in chapter 5. And I want for you to circle the second word. At least I've got the English Standard Version. The second word in verse 2 is walk. Walk. Circle that. Then I want for you to go down to uh, verse uh, 8 towards the end of verse 8 again is the word walk circle that then go down to verse 15 and again you see the word walk three times we see this word there now go back up to the first one in verse 2 and underline what comes right after walk it says walk in love underline in love then in verse again verse 8 walk as children of light And then verse 15, walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That's our outline for today. Okay, and I want for you to just keep that in mind here, especially the second one, walk as light, because it's kind of put in the middle of what I think is the discussion about that. The walk that's being talked about is how we live life, how you and I function through life, what we do. Listen to me. What you do matters what you and i do in our life it does matter now some people put such a little emphasis on what we do it's just all about like feeling god that's what it's about no no no. this text is going to blow that concept out of the water Because it's not only about loving God, it's about doing for God, God's way. And then others are so focused on the do, 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 that they forget of the fact that God wants us to love him. Okay? So we're going to be coming in this passage taking a look at these three things. But as we get there, let me pray. Hey, God, we want to thank you for our time this morning. We have a chance to open your words not just words of history that talk about cute, kind moral religiousy kind of stuff. But God, we are reading your instructions for our lives. And I pray this morning that with everything else is going on, God, that we would just be here, here to hear your word. Lord, would you help me to communicate your word here in a way that we can be challenged and encouraged? God, you know, this this is one text that could just be taken over weeks. and I'm just going to be kind of glimpsing over the top of a number of things. Lord, I pray we would be the kind of people that just love your word and listen to it and seek to apply it. Father, I also just pray for some specific individuals this morning. I just want to take the time to pray for Susan and Kevin Duffy as Susan's going through chemo treatments. Father, for Amy Money, who's just continuing to struggle with pneumonia. Pray for Tara Clark. Lord, just her ongoing physical trials that you've allowed in her life. Would you give her endurance and uh, great wisdom of the doctors? Lord, I think of the pregnant moms that are here, men. Our church is growing by uh, numbers just out of pregnancy. We thank you for that. We do thank you this week for uh, Evelyn Dykstra uh, being born and just the joy you've brought in to Ben and Lisa's life, and we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for Thanksgiving. It does remind us how much we have to thank you for. And Lord, as just the video played, there's all kinds of circumstances out there that we so often tire Thanksgiving to. Lord, may we rejoice in the good circumstances, if you will, but may we be the kind of people who get what thanksgiving is beyond anyone else because of Christ. To you be the glory, to you be the honor. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Chapter 5, verse 1, Ephesians, here we go. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Well, let me make a couple of comments here about this initial verse, because this initial verse really sets up our flow of the text today. Therefore. What's therefore, therefore? Well, therefore is therefore referring to what was preceding the therefore. Okay, it's just there, all right? And there's stuff before it. But verse 32, you take a look especially, the context of verse 32 of chapter 4, it talks about, it leaves us with this thing of a directive to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. Well, part of the question that comes out of that is, how do I be that kind of a man? How do I be that kind of a woman? Well, God has given us some help with that. He hasn't just said, do it, but he has given us the opportunity to be able to know how to do that. And it says, therefore, be imitators. Now, the be is a present, continuous kind of a verb. It's an imperative verb. It's a command. Listen, if you are a believer in Christ, here's the deal. God says to you and I, you must be an imitator. The word imitator comes from what we get today, our word mimic. We're to mimic somebody. Uh, We're not to mock them. We're to mimic them. It's one who lives like someone. Uh, It's you must be living like someone. Who's the someone? God. You must be imitators of God. Well, why be an imitator of God? Well, the end of the passage, this is so cool. Be imitators of God as beloved children. As beloved children. Now, the fact that a person can be able to say that I am a child of God, in light of what we studied in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, is an amazing reality. We, at one time, were not children of God. We were sons of disobedience, daughters of disobedience, literally over in the pit of doom, as we talked about. And now a person can be able to say, I am a child of God. And get this, not only a child of God, but a beloved child of God. I mean, it's one thing to say I'm part of a family. It's another thing to know that that family loves me. There are a lot of people in our world today who are part of families, but would not say that they are a beloved child. Add to that this, Matthew 3, verse 17, it says, God says, this is my beloved son. And then in John 17, 23, it says, he loves us. The father loves us as he loves the son. Listen, beloved children, how cool is it that God says he loves you like he loves the second person of the Trinity? Hello. Is that not rock? I mean, is that not awesome? I mean, it's like, God, you're kidding me. You not only saved me, but you love me. Well, this really sets the point of our text today. And we are to be like our Father. Now, we're to be like him in three ways. We're to be like him in his love. We're to be like him as his light. And we're to be like him as he is wise. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's get at it. ...and get going and explain this thing out here. And I'm going to be drinking water all morning... ...because do you like have a cold that you cannot get rid of? Oh, heaven is going to be delightful. <laughs> Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children... ...and walk in love, verse 2... ...as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us... ...as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God... So, we are to walk in love. We are to walk in love and mimic someone, imitate someone. Who are we to imitate? We're to imitate Christ. We are to be a Christ-like love. Hey, you know the way Jesus loved? Oh, by the way, if you don't know, and I mean that seriously, if you don't know the way Jesus loved, go and read Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. And it tells you about the life of Christ. four accounts of the life of Christ. And it will tell you how Jesus loves. And listen, he loves you. And for those of you who have been around the, the Bible and the Christian life for a while, you know the way Jesus loves? Love like that. Well, what's like that? Well, like that is, as we see in this text, walk in love as Christ loved us. So first of all, he loved others. It wasn't all about himself. In fact, it says he gave himself. He gave himself up for us. As a fragrant offering and sacrifice. He loved others sacrificially. He gave himself up for others good. The fragrant offering. It's a sweet savor. It's acceptable. It's well pleasing. Listen. Love is sacrificial. It costs. It takes work. Love is not first and foremost a feeling. Hey isn't it really cool. When you got that whole love feeling going on, oh, man, just like, whoa. You know, with my wife, I'm just like, oh, man, she's so hot. Okay, I don't want to go there. You know, know, all that kind of stuff. But I want to tell you something. It is like, it is so wonderful. And we love that real love feeling. But listen to me. Love is not first and foremost a feeling, and I can prove that to you by Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before, he's going to die for you and me. And there he is in the garden. And he's talking with the Father. And what does he say? This is so cool, God. I get to go tomorrow, and I get to have my body like ripped to shreds. I'm so excited about this. And then they're going to nail me to a cross. Oh, Lord, the way that's going to feel, that's just going to be so cool. No, that's not at all what took place. In fact, Jesus is there, and Jesus is there before the Father. and He's going, oh, Father, if there's any way to take this from me, please take it from me. Don't you just love the transparency of the Bible? I mean, that is our Savior, folks, that is our Savior. He understands what was going on. He had seen crucifixions before. Jesus was not the first person ever crucified. I mean, it was a common practice of the day. He'd seen people hanging on a cross. And there he is. He knows what's coming. He's going, God, I don't want to go there. But then what does he do? Then he submits himself to the will of God. He says, wait, but not my will, but your will. Listen, that was love. Love is a commitment. Feelings follow. Post-resurrection, I'll bet Jesus was like, oh, yeah, so worth it. teens singles understand me love is work love is a commitment i remember in high school the whole feeling thing been there done that oh so cool but so painful (laughs) love is a commitment love is a commitment walk in love Jesus Christ loved others, he loved sacrificial, and he loved for God's pleasure. Notice at the end, sacrifice to God. Love begins and continues with a desire to please or mimic God. It's for God, it's not because it's easy for me. Are you walking in love? just have to ask that. Are you walking in love? As you just look at the course of your life in the last week, two weeks, are you walking in love or is it just kind of when it's convenient for you? Do you bring flowers to your spouse because of what she does for you, or because of your love for her. Wives, do you love your husbands because in the times even when he's unlovable? Because it's the right thing to be doing. Husbands, by the way, Ephesians 5.25 and following when we get in January. Just as a note. Okay, wives. Wives. This is the time you be very gracious. But listen to me, husbands. Ephesians five twenty five says that if there is love lacking in the home, guess whose responsibility to bring it back? Yours. If there's love lacking in your home, guys, love like Jesus. Yeah, but Doug, you don't understand. No, 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 no. See, Jesus went to the cross even in spite of the ridiculousness of me and my sin. Love like Jesus. Walk in love. Second, got to walk in love, and we walk as light. Okay, here, we're going to go through this text, and we're going to, there's so much in it. We're going to go through this text. There's three descriptions of what walking as light is, and there's four descriptions of, I'm sorry, three descriptions of what it is not, and four descriptions of what walking as light looks like, okay? So here we go. But sexual immorality, whoa, hello. Man, like the Bible like gets at stuff, doesn't it? You know, a lot of people have this idea that the Bible's kind of all this frou-frou. It just talks around subjects. It's so intriguing to me. Time and time and time and time again in the scriptures, when it gets the list of things of don't be doing, don't, don't be going in those areas, almost inevitably sexual immorality is listed first god just he just knows what's going on folks and so let's like be honest about it because god is but one of the things he lists is sexual immorality uh he says in fact let me read through the passage we've got to get the whole thing but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, there's some other things to be doing. Well, let's go to verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Like, ouch, ouch um uh, let's just walk through this no sexual immorality it's talking about the word greek word is pornea sound familiar it's sex out of marriage it's illicit sexual activity it's sexual activity out of god's design listen i want for you to know this right up front god invented sex okay it's been said it's been said here on this stage it's been said here to the god invented it it was a good thing When God stood back and looked at everything and went, this is good. By the way, that was part of the good. God designed it. God invented it. It's a wonderful thing in the right context of marriage. Outside of that, it's not. Notice, it must not even be named among you. Not even a hint of it just appreciate the honesty and i so i've got to ask this is there such a thing or even a hint among you follower of jesus christ is there hey listen let's not play the game god knows is there this is uncomfortable but let's ask what about your t v habits? What kind of videos and movies do you see? What kinds of novels and magazines do you read? What do you talk about with your coworkers? What do you do in your dates? Do you have guidelines? What about your computer activity? Hey, um guys, this is a struggle, especially. But understand this. This is a struggle for women as well. You realize, in fact, that 30% of pornographic activity is women. I mean, it's, it's a growing thing. It's just huge. Imagine that you're back in Ephesus, the people that Paul is writing to. And every day you walk to work. And just let's just say, as you walk to work, you walk past the temple. And you walk past, not God's temple, but you walk past the temple of Artemis. And you walk by it and you walk past it every day. And in fact, that used to be the place you would go because you used to believe that. Just imagine that. And then every day, and what was taking place inside of that temple was prostitution and sexual activities as supposed worship to the goddess of Artemis. And every day you walked by that. Listen, you cannot tell me there were not some times walking by that you're going, oh man, that is so luring. Paul's writing to those people and friends it 's out there. I remember growing up. if you had wanted to go see something, you had to like go buy something. you had to like go to a movie place. you had to like go somewhere really bad. I mean it kind of, and now it 's just piped into the homes and I just want to say let 's be wise let 's be wise if you don 't have something on your computer, a protection and accountability program, listen. I just love you enough to say, you're a fool. Because you cannot walk by it on an ongoing basis and not go there at some time. Because I will just be transparent with you. Because if that's the case for me, at some time I'll go there. And so my son and I, we have covenant eyes on it. He gets everything that I go to. Everything. Everywhere I go, he sees This is serious stuff. What about your TV? MTV, Desperate Housewives, The Girl Next Door, Late Night Soft Porn, hey, it's just everyone does it. Not even a hint. Not even a hint. Don't go there. And if you're going there, get some help. Get someone accountability. Accountability. Just get some help. Okay? All right? Because we're growing and changing, right? Okay, wow, that one was thick. Okay, let's go to the next one. Verse 3, it talks about no greed, no coveting. It's no lusting for what I don't have. It's the desire for more. By the way, both of these are lust-filled living. Both of them are about self-indulgent living. Both of them are what the Scripture calls the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. If I had that car if i had that home if i had that airplane i wonder who that's applying to if i had that hobby if i had that savings account if i had that husband or a husband or a wife i need it i must have it they have it and i don't that's not fair must not even be named among us not even a hint listen money and wealth is not the problem You go through the scriptures, you see tons of people that had mega wealth. That's not the issue. The issue is the love of it. And we're saints. We're to be set apart ones. We're God's beloved children. And God, for our good and his glory, says, don't go there. Don't go there. And if you're struggling with it, then get someone to keep you accountable. Get before God. Repent. And let's get at it. We're all growing and changing. No one's perfect in this room, right? Okay, I just don't want to be that kind of a church where everybody's walking around like we all got it together and no one else, uh, we're not going there. Okay, number three, no filthy talk. No filthy talk. It says, uh, verse four, let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk. I love this. The first word that's used is we get our word moron from it. it, it it's worthless small talk. It's senseless conversation. It's generally intellectually deficient talk. Now, if you have hobbies and, like, your spouse or friends, sometimes they sit back and go, that's intellectually deficient talk. No, no, no. That's just fun stuff. Uh, We're not talking about that. We're just talking about talk. Uh, The kind of talk that's just like someone, uh, uh, in fact, the next word, uh, I'll bring that in. The next word that's talked about here is referring to coarse joking. It's more pointed talk. In fact, it's the person who takes conversations and runs it right just to trash talk. They always turn a conversation. And here it says, don't go there. Just don't go there. Listen, this is the kind of stuff that some people just love to be able to have verbal vomit. Had a friend call it once. They called, they just said, you know what? I just had verbal vomit all over that situation. I was like, what? What are you talking about? I just came in, and I just turned the whole conversation, my whole language, in the kind of way that God would not be pleased, and I just vomited all over people, and it stinks, and it's messy. By the way, why do people not go, oh, Buddha? (laughs) I mean, why don't people walk around and go, oh, Dalai Lama? Why do Why do they go for our Savior? And I know it's coming across like I'm mad this morning or something. But I'm just trying to stay true to what it's saying. Don't go there. Listen, if you struggle with a potty mouth, you need to stop it. You need to stop it because it doesn't glorify God. Well, why don't do these things, Doug? Well, let's read verse 5 and 6. Let me just hit that one more time. 5 and 6. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, by the way, those are the two first two things, that is an idolater, has no inheritance of the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. That's, a, the, the, by the way, the talk. For because of these, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Why? Well, because it's like bad stuff. And now, here's the thing. We can sit here and say, Isn't this, Doug, I've sinned lustfully. Doug, I've sinned. I've been a greedy idolater. And so have I. Okay? And so have I. So what does this mean? Well, here's what it means. This is talking about the person where this is the normal pattern of their life. Paul talks in Romans 7 about how I want to do what's right, but it's just like I can't. Okay, we have a struggle. Okay, and we talked a little bit about some of that last week. But ask yourself, do these characterize me? Do they describe my life habits? Are they life-dominating sins? And if they are, I do think you need to ask yourself, do I know Christ? Do I really? Because one who has had to put on of the new nature and the old nature is gone. It doesn't mean that we don't sin anymore, but this is not the pattern of our life. And if it is, I do think here we have to come back and say, well, jeepers, creepers, am I saved? But Doug, I went forward back when I was six. I understand. But go to Mark chapter 4, the sower of the seeds. And the second and the third seed, the seeds were cast. And it says the second seed and the third seed. It was received with joy. And it was like, yeah, Jesus, woo! And it got growing. And then the trials of life. And the lusts of the world snarfed it out. I think snarf was a Greek term. (laughs) Something like that. And it just snarfed it out. And it took it out and it died. And I think in both of those, neither of those really knew Christ. They knew about Christ, but they didn't know Christ. And I just say, get some help. God takes it seriously. Let's, Let's take it seriously. The fruit in my life shows the root of my life. If the fruit of my life is sex, guess what the root is, and not Jesus. If the fruit, if the over the overdominating fruit of my life is greed and filthy talk, i have got to evaluate where my root really is. Verses seven and eight. Oh, let's let's like get to some positive stuff here. We're getting there. Therefore, do not associate with them. So does that mean I'm going to run to the hills and be a monk and not do anything? No, 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 no. Because Jesus says we're to go to the world. Understand this. This is not saying run to the hills, be a monk, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, what this is saying is be of the world but not in the world. We've got to watch it. Galatians talks about the fact of when you're helping someone in areas of struggle, watch it told my son a little while ago, I said, would you be praying for me? Because I'm dealing with a lot of people in this issue. And I know Galatians chapter 6 says, would you help me? Got to watch it. It says, do not even associate. um, For at one time you were darkness. By the way, it doesn't say you were in darkness. You see, if it said you were in darkness, it meant that I'm me. And then darkness is over there and I happen to be there. This is saying you were darkness. This goes all the way back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. But not now. Not now. You were darkness. But now you are light in the world. Okay, let's get to the four positive ones. Ready? Here we go. What am I doing on time? Sorry. (coughs) Here we go. First, be a giver of thanks, be a giver of thanks. We go back in verse 4, it says, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Wow, is that appropriate or what? Let there be thanksgiving. By the way, we're going to do that here in a little bit. We're going to, like, give thanks, okay? Uh, Thanksgiving, not lustful or self-indulgent or filthy talking living, but thankful talking living. A person with an attitude of gratitude, and by the way, if this is an area you really struggle with, and I mean this very seriously, if you struggle with this, I've got uh, 30 of James' CDs on Attitude of Gratitude that we put in the uh, the welcome uh, bag. By the way, if you're new here, there's a welcome bag out there. And uh, uh, you can just grab one on the welcome table, okay? Here's the deal, though. you got to use it, be thankful for it, and give it to someone else. But not give it to someone else and go, Kyle, you, like, really need this, Okay? <laughs> This has really helped me, and, and, and I'm applying this. Okay, so be a giver of thanks. Second, be about what is good, right, and true. Verse 9, what is good, right, true. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Okay, here's a question I want for you to memorize and say. What is, is it, let me make a statement. Is it good, right, and true? Okay, with me. Is it good, right, and true? Okay, one more time. Now, I want to tell you, I am feeling right now like I really don't want to love my wife right now because she's been mean. You're getting it. My marriage seems doomed. I'm going to pull back. uh, You know what? If I get on TV a little bit late night and a little bit of soft porns on there, it's it's not that bad, is it? Come on, I've had a long day. I've worked a lot. I need... I really don't want to obey my parents or respect them. Because, like, you know, (laughs) my circumstances, my health is out of control. God must not know what's going on. He must not be there. That's what it's talking about. We walk through life like this. We walk through life and we see life Through the lens of the truth of the scriptures and ask, is it good? Is it right? Is it true? That's what someone who's walking as light looks like. They're a giver of thanks and they're someone who is about good, right, and true. And third, they're a discerner, verse 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Discern is talking about put it to the test. Examine it. This means I must know what pleases God. If I'm going to go through life and discern what is good, right, and true, then that means I have to know from God's perspective what is good, right, and true. If I'm walking in that kind of a way, I'm about applying biblical truth to life. I'm thinking and I'm living biblically. That's what life is about. That's what it means to be someone who's walking as light. And fourth, I'm exposing darkness. I'm not only a discerner of life, but I'm also exposing darkness. And it says just in uh, verse 11 there uh, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I think this is the kind of thing not only for myself, but for others. Listen, let's not walk around like the religious police. Okay, we're not going around with everybody else and going, don't do that. That's not as much. I mean, sometimes we've got to stand up. And just say, no, this isn't right. But I just, for us right now, I just especially want to apply this to you in your own life. And sometimes you just, it's a matter of naming out, listen, I'm not going there. I'm just going to expose, listen, that's dark. And I'm not going there. That's dark. And I'm not going there. That's the kind of thing that pulls me into darkness. So I'm just not going there. And it's a part of the thing where we just expose darkness. Well, We're walking in love. We're walking as light. And third, we're walking as wise. Someone who walks as wise. Let me uh, buzz through these. You can uh, dig into these some more. So I'll point out some things here because of time. Verse 15 and 16. Uh, By the way, verse 14, it's got that little paraphrase of Isaiah 60, verse 1. I love it. Because really what it's saying is this. We're laying in the darkness of night. And then in the morning, sun, it comes. And the light comes, and we wake and we see what's going on. That's salvation. That's what it's about. Don't lay flat. Don't be worthless. But wake up and in the light. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time. By the way, to look carefully, it's the idea of precision and accuracy. It's with exactness. I'm walking around life like this. Huh? You know, I'm trying to be exact about things. I'm looking carefully at things. I'm being very self-analytic. I'm not so hard on you, Matthew chapter 5. I'm not getting the log out of your eye, or the speck out of your eye. I'm about getting the log out of my eye. And I'm about being analytical as I look through life and try and see what's going on. Well, the wise makes the best use of their time. By the way, time, it's not the clock chronos time. It's a measured, allocated, fixed time. It's a season. Birth to death. Someone who is walking as wise views their life as birth to death. Sometime I'm going to die and see God, so the time that I have, I'm going to use it in a way that is wise. But secondly, they understand the will of the Lord. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Uh, let Let me fill this in real quick so we can move on here. Understanding is talking about discovering, and so often we hear people about the ma- that when they think the will of the Lord. What's the will of the Lord for me? Should I take that job or that job? Should I take the red car or the black car? Should should I live in Idaho or should I live in New Mexico? Should should I th- Listen to me. Here's the will of the Lord. Know Jesus and grow in Jesus. Know and grow. Know Jesus and grow in Christ. That's the will of the Lord. And by the way, you can do it in the red car or the black car. You can do that in Idaho or New Mexico. You can do that in whatever job you go to. And we have a tendency to get so consumed by these decisions of life that, seriously, I think sometimes God's like, who cares? Just live for me. You know, just do something. It's kind of a thing. It's like there's wise principles for life, but that's the will of the Lord. So what's the will of the Lord? Okay. Now, third, be filled with the Spirit. Oh, boy. Here's the big one, okay? Here's the big one that we really want to get into. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sum it up. You ready? Verse 18. Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. By the way, debauchery, it's reckless living. But the context here is talking about something that is controlling me. Something that is control an outside source that is controlling my mind and my body. And God says, don't go there. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Don't, don't go there. Instead, be controlled by the Spirit. Be filled. It's a command. It's a continuous filling. It, it has nothing to do with contents or quantity. God did not, when you received Jesus Christ, give you 5% of the spirit, and the harder you ask and pray, he gives you 5 more. And then if you pray a little harder, he'll give you 10 more. That's not the way God works, as I understand the scriptures. When we come to Christ at that point in time, 100% spirit, 100% spirit, right there, all there. The issue is, am I living it out? It's not referring to being an empty vessel that needs filled. It's not about a repeated experience. It's not about being baptized into. Nowhere in the New Testament are we commanded to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because it takes place at conversion. It's referring to the repetitive, transforming work that shapes my life. And Paul says don't be controlled by any substance or outside force other than the Spirit of God. The Spirit is what's to drive my mind, emotions, and will. Well, Doug, how do I need to know if I'm being controlled by the Spirit? Here we go. You can read them later on. Okay, verse 19 Sing to one another. A person that is controlled by the Spirit sings. Oh, bless your hearts with me. But it it it, it is, it's the heart songs. You go about life in heart songs, it's expressing an inner joy. Verse 20 talks again about giving thanks always and for everything. You mean everything? Yes, everything. Because God, a sovereign God, is in control of all things. Romans 8, 28, 29, to use to help us become more like his son, Jesus Christ. And lastly, the person who is filled with the Holy Spirit, sings, gives thanks, and submits himself to others, verse 21. It's not about my rights. It's not about I deserve. It's not I throw my weight around kind of living people. And it's also not about I'm a doormat or I have no backbone. Instead, like Jesus Christ, my life is about others. Submission is this, each for the other, and I'm talking about universal submission, each for the other and all for God. I'm for you, and we're for God. Each for the other and all for you. In one sense, husbands submit to wives. In the universal sense. Because I'm for my wife. Children, parents submit to children, in a sense because I'm about my child. But we're going to get in January talking about how those principles do carry over in the following passage because there are certain aspects of life and marriage and in parenting and so forth where submission has its uniquenesses about it that God has laid out. Well, walk in love, walk as light, walk as wise. I realize I've just like thrown a buffet of stuff out on your table this morning. Just a lot of stuff. But here's what I'd encourage you to do. Where are you struggling? Where is an area of your life that you're needing to grow? Pick it and let's get at it this week. Is it in your love? Is it walking as light? Is it walking as wise? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for how you have uh, given us your love. You have given us your empowering. You have given us the ability to please you and to live for you. And Lord, I pray right now as we begin and move into singing songs together, Lord, I pray we would just belt them. That we would just sing the words like we've never sung before because we have so much to be thankful for. Father, I would pray this morning as we just come into a time of communion here in a little while that uh, we would just revel in the reality of the glory of Jesus and what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We are so honored to be able to be called your beloved children. Help us to be the kind of people that honor you with our lives. This week and until we see you. Thanks for the opportunity to grow and change. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.